Here we go. My name's Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 548. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding? And always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. Um, on today's show, I am going to give a brief overview of this podcast that I listened to. Uh, Freakonomics is an awesome podcast. And I forget the name of the podcast it was, but it's like Reasons to be Cheerful or something like that. And it's about the news cycle and negativity bias and loss aversion. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. And then uh, my sweetie decided that she's going to play a small clip from the Goop podcast. <laughs> well, it's less about the... the um you know, piece from that podcast, oh. it, it's, that kind of sets it up a little bit, but mm. I just wanted to talk about, um, yeah, it was called reason. I'm going back to your Freakonomics. Okay. It was called reasons to be cheerful and it was number 417. Oh, thank you. Um, it's I'll, about, I'll include it in the show notes. Yeah. It's about how humans and their negativity bias. Mm-hmm. But anyway, the, the thing I wanted to talk about was the, um, so it's, it's Bridget Schulte who yeah. we had on our show. She's a friend of ours. She uh, wrote a book called Overwhelmed and she's, she was on, I think the Goop podcast last week and they were talking about, um, well, a lot of different things as far as how we use our time and, and what's happening right now. I think the interview was done pre COVID. Mm. Um, so I want to be very thoughtful about that. Okay. Um, but, uh, I, I think that there's a lot of information in it that is, important no matter what's going on in life. All right. Okay. Um, real quick, we did a pop culturing last week. Uh-huh. Top five teen movies or movies about teenagers, but we removed any John Hughes films. Yes. Because it would have been too many overlaps. and It would have been all John Hughes movies, or we would have felt guilty for not doing John right. Hughes movies. So we're like, to avoid having them take up each of our top fives. Cause whenever T- Todd and I do a top five, he does his own and I do my own. So there are often some overlap, but there's often some movies that uh, are a little more personal to mm, us. Sure. Um, but, uh, what I was going to say was we, sorry, bling. I forgot what I was going to say. Too many I, little part many of me things. wants to tell them what the movies were. No. Why don't you just say one movie of your top five, and I'll say one movie of mine. Okay. Uh, just I to think tease my it. number five, or no, my number five was your number one. So I will give my number four. What was my number? My number three was Risky Business. There you go. Okay. And I'll say my number five was Can't Buy Me Love with <laughs> Dr. McDreamy and Amanda Peterson. Yes. And it was a fun uh, podcast for us to do. So tune in. This is what I was going to say. I remembered is for those of you who feel overwhelmed by the news yeah. and some t- like I've had a lot of emails or texts from friends saying, give me a good book to read. I don't want to think too much or give me a good podcast to listen to because I just want to listen to something kind of, you know, just there that I don't have to respond to. Pop culturing is a perfect thing to listen to. And the reason I'm saying that, I know it sounds marketing-ish that I'm saying that, but I'm even enjoying re-listening to our podcasts on our pop culturing ones because sometimes I just want to hear something. Yeah, Yeah. but it's not like a escape in, sometimes we escape through these negative means, like we numb out. It's still fun to listen to and movies that, you know, from our teenage, teenage movies still have a self-awareness component, but it's less about that and more just about entertainment. I have a new tagline. What is it? Escape with some silliness. No, because it's not silliness. We're not being silly, are we? I am. Well, yes. Maybe that should be your tagline. Yeah, that'll be mine. You come up with your own tagline. Um, But I just think that if you like Zen Parenting... But you sometimes are like, yeah, but today I don't want to learn anything super new. Yeah, Just you don't listen want to, to pop culture. A new tagline. Come here because you won't learn anything. <laughs> How about that? Well, you might, but inadvertently. Yeah. Like you're, that's not the, so, and I think part of the reason that I'm enjoying doing pop culture so much is because really all I'm listening to right now is entertainment podcasts. Sure. I love them. Meaning like actors and actresses or movies or, you know, um, I'm just enjoying listening to things that I'm not feeling forced to like ingest in a deep way Got because it. there's so much going on. In the, you're trying to rush me along. I can tell. I am. You're holding a paper saying, got it, got it. So this is my whole point is I want to slow down mm. and not be ingesting so much. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> How about, what, what was it the other night that we were having a conversation and you I was just saying, looking at you. I was just staring at you. And then you were like, 
Yeah. You're like, you, do you understand me? And, and I like just blank stare. He was just, and he and started, started making sounds with your mouth. I was drinking water out of a straw and I just started making sounds. That was my response. That was the way I said, I hear you, sweetie. But really what the you making sounds with your mouth was demonstrating is you weren't listening to me at nothing. all. Empty. <laughs> Zero. Nothing. And I said, you're not listening to me, no, are you? No. At least I owned it. Because I know if I would have said, yeah, I'm listening, it would have gone badly. Right. I'll right? Be, yes. I wanted to talk about Team Zen. We've done 89 of these bad boys. Hey, that's the year I graduated from high school. We did one last week, and these were the highlights. We talked yeah. about one of the moms caught their, not caught, found out that their kid was watching porn. Uh -huh. So we had a good long conversation about that. Another mom said that my kid quit e-learning. Yeah, literally quit. Yeah. And I've heard that a lot lately. I feel like we could do a whole podcast. Yeah. I, I'm, our kids are doing it. I don't know if they're doing it as, as they should be, mm -hmm. you know, like they're doing what they got to the do. They're doing what they yeah. got to do. Mm -hmm. But a lot of kids just completely uh -huh. have 100% blown it off. I've heard that from so many people in the last two weeks that their kid is like, like, are they I pretending stopped. to do it and telling their parents that they're like, they're signing in, but well, that's it. Exactly. They're trying not to be truant, yeah. you know, they're signing in. So nobody's calling home, but then they're not doing the work because the, at least in the state of Illinois, the expectation is that your grade prior to e-learning stays. Yeah. So it if you have an A, down. you can blow it off right, and keep that A. But you could also get your grade up through e-learning. Right. So if you have a D, then maybe you hit the books and, and you, you bring you your D up to a B mm -hmm. or whatever. So it's kind of one of those things where you can, it just could be status quo or you could take it up a notch. Yeah. Um, and we have another Zen talk this Friday. So please join us. You get your own private podcast app. It's 25 bucks a month. First month's free. Facebook community. We got micro communities. And the minute that you sign up, you can download all 89 of the previous Zen talks. Like you could just totally like take us for a ride. You could have like a summer of, of Zen talks. Well, so in that way, just to make it more clear, Todd and I have three podcasts. We have Zen Parenting Radio, which you're listening to. We have Pop Culturing, which I'm hoping you're subscribing to as well. And then we have Team Zen, which is behind a paywall because it's a lot more interactive um, it's a subscription service and Todd and I are on the calls and we're answering calls and we have an interactive Facebook page and it's a more of a group work situation. Yeah. So, um, so three podcasts. Hope to see you on there. Mm -hmm. um, and then lastly, tomorrow night we have a men's group. So if there's any guys out there, go to tribemensgroup.org or if there's any women out there and you have a man in your life who's might find value with some authentic conversations, uh, we have weekly virtual meetings and it's going really well. So please check that out. Okay, so you can wanna, I start or yeah. do you want to? Oh, no, no. Negativity buys you for sure. So I love Freakonomics, the podcast. And the last one I really liked. And I'll just throw out a few ideas to you, my darling. Okay. And then I just kind of want your two cents. And then I have two two clips, just two. And I'm going to play them from the show. Two clips, just two. Just two. Lots of tips. Tips. No tips, tips at all. Um, they talked about um, how the news is negative and uh -huh. how we as human beings move towards the negative. Correct. By, and I'm going to play a clip of why that is, which I thought was fascinating. The minute I heard this part of the podcast, I'm like, I want to share this on the podcast for everybody. Um, and obviously bad news is sensationalized. And, you know, they even said the phrase, if it bleeds, it leads. You've right. heard that. Yeah, it's a journalistic saying. Yeah, whether it's TV journalism or newspapers, like if somebody died, then more heads will turn in that direction. Sex and violence. Sex and violence. And which is, uh, I think it's going to get into this, this, you know, this clip that you're going to play, but that is how we're, you know, neurobiologically hardwired, right. sex and violence. And that kind of makes sense, right? Yep. Survival and perpetuating the species. Mm -hmm. Like those are the two things that we get attracted to. Interesting. Mm -hmm. um, so they talk about negativity bias and, and the, they do a, a good job of explaining it in a very thorough way. But the way I'll kind of, you know, drill down to the very core of it is, Bad events affect us more strongly than an equal measure of positive news. Right. And what they said on the podcast, like they had these studies where they would put people in these situations where they would gamble. And if they won 50 bucks, they would measure how joyful they were. Mm -hmm. And then if they broke even, they would measure what happened. And if they lost 50 bucks, then they would measure how sad or angry they were. And it turns out that the bad impacts us much greater 
than the good. Right. And I, I experience that. I every you know once a year I go to the blackjack tables and if I win three hundred bucks I'm like eh whatever. Mm-hmm. But if I lose three hundred bucks I'm like what a waste or this what, is horrible. Why did I come here? Well, and I just experienced something personally a week or so ago where I got uh, it's kind of a long story that I'll share later. But I was working on something and I got a yes for it and the yes was great, but it kind of faded kind of fast. You know, I was kind of like yeah I got a yes. And because I got this yes, a lot of the no's that I was getting after that didn't shouldn't make a difference. Yeah. But because I was still getting no's, I was like bummed out getting the no's even though I didn't need them because I had already gotten the yes. Does right. that make sense? It like does. I was allowing myself to be like where the yes kind of gave me a little bit of, oh, okay, good. Now I'm gonna I don't need to think about that. The no's were taking me down. And they didn't, and they weren't even necessary anymore. And so it's like we, it's like we, um, yeses or good news almost keeps us at a status quo Mm -hmm. and negativity takes us under. So it's kind of an interesting, like, and I'm not saying we can't get a boost from something positive because we can, but how do we perpetuate that? How do we keep that up? It's very difficult. I have two examples. I'll say the first one because I'll remember, I may already have forgotten the second one thing I was going to say. We, I'm looking at my phone right now, and we have received 550 ratings on our Apple Podcast okay. on our on our reviews for Apple Podcast for Zen Parenting okay. Radio. 550. Uh huh. Guess how many I can remember? You remember the two negative ones? I just remember Travis. Right. Freaking Travis. I know, but do you really think about that? I, that was 10 years ago. It's not that I'm like sulking on it, but it's if you're like. Tell me as much as you can about any of the 550 reviews you've received. I would say Travis. And it wasn't even like that bad, but I think he gives one out of five stars and he said they're okay, but they're two into Zen or something like that. It was the opposite. He said um, that this isn't really Zen. Oh. Because we hadn't, we were talking about self-awareness, but we weren't talking about Zen Buddhism the way that he, he's, he's a student Mm. of Zen. Got it. So he felt as if we were using the word inappropriately. Got it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, um, so that's just an example. And then the other thing before I play this clip is they said some at some point in the podcast that basically you need like four good things to neutralize the one bad thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm one, I believe that to be true. Two, I'm like, that kind of sucks. Like that's a lot of like, can it just be one for one? So I'm about to play a clip of evolutionary wise why okay. that is. So here we go. Bad relative to good. Baumeister and Tierney in their new book try to trace the power of bad to its evolutionary roots. Well, the negativity effect evolved because it helped keep our ancestors alive. As we say, uh, life has to win every day. Death only has to win once. It was more important to pay attention to not eating poisonous berries than to really savoring the good ones. You had to pay more attention to predatory lions. If you miss out on a great opportunity for good food or sex or any other life-affirming thing, well, okay, that's too bad. But, you know, you might have another one the following day. But if you miss out on a dangerous predator, fail. There we go. So when I heard that, I'm like, okay, that makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. You know, it only takes one bad day getting chased by lions to be dead. Right. Whereas if I'm hunting and something good happens then you'll always have the next day. So there's a quote in there that says something like, you know, actually I'll pull it up. Where does it say? Um, I can't find it, but I'll find it. I can, well, do you want to look for it while I talk about something? So I think they even mentioned this in this podcast um, about John Gottman and his magic relationship ratio, Mm -hmm. but I teach it a lot in my class. So we talk about it a lot, which is the five to one ratio. It means that for every negative interaction during a conflict with your partner, a stable uh, or, or, you know, Every negative interaction that you have, you have to have five or more positive interactions to keep your relationship stable. Yeah. So, and I think in this, he calls it, he, he uses the F word. Um, he calls it like a five to one, like uh, F. Mm. He used fornication. Oh yeah, F, uh, that's right. Fornication to fight. To arguments. To argument. And the reason that he used that um, is it's very similar to John Gottman's thing here, but it's hard to measure what a couple experiences as a positive interaction. But you can easily measure how many times they have sex. How often they have sex. So if you're measuring sex, how many times you have sex versus how many times you have a fight, that's the ratio. Easily measured. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's interesting. So then I kind of start 
going back in my mind, like, oh, I wonder how I'm doing on that ratio. And it's funny, I don't really like that. Like the, how many times a couple has sex, really sex is not connection. Well, sex can be a connection. And that's what I was thinking as I was listening to it is I think if we can understand the ratio, we don't want to get caught up in sex because sex can actually become a negative experience for a couple if they're doing it to fulfill some kind of like checkbox. Yeah. Like something they think they're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Um, but if they can start to notice what a positive interaction is for them, that's what you start to count. He as a, as a researcher had to use something very static for everybody, um, to make the point, you know, fornication to fight. But I think that for us, like if you and I were going to talk about that, that could be a piece of it, Mm -hmm. but it would also be like, a date night or a time that we were really laughing or a time that I, you really felt heard or I felt heard. And we'd be like, that's, that's a lot of positive interactions for that one negative experience. Yeah. yeah. So, so I hear that. And then the, I'm tr- I'll see if I can get this quote, right. Life has to win, uh, every day, whereas death only has to win once. once. Yeah. So I don't know. There's part of me cause sometimes I'm like, Oh, our human brain, how, why is mm-hmm. it like that? The fact that my, <laughs> logical brain now knows that Mm -hmm. it just helps me better understand myself and others. Well, you know, maybe you're going to be less shame filled because of it, because I think the we're when we're attached to something negative or, and a lot of reason, I I don't know if this is true, Todd, but you brought this uh, podcast to me at a time that I was talking about the fact that I wanted to stop reading so much news Mm -hmm. and I don't want to go down too much of a rabbit hole here, but I was really able to identify that since 2016, I've been really, oh, I know how it started. My daughter and I were talking about politics, my oldest daughter, and she said, you've always been really involved in politics. And I said, well, not really. I said, I mean, I've always been somewhat aware or thoughtful about it, but it was really 2016 when I was like, okay, I have to pay attention. I mean, wasn't that the big wake up call? Wake up. Wake up. It's 2016, wake up. I didn't just pay attention. I mean, I was like reading everything. I was going to everything. I felt like I needed to be a part of everything. I just went, I jumped in with both feet and somebody else's feet too. Mm-hmm. Like I was like in there. So my daughters for the past three or four years have have known me as a very politically minded person. Um, but what I have been realizing is it's taken a toll on me yeah. and that I don't think I, I think I need to modulate that behavior. It doesn't mean that I'm going to go back to sleep and pretend that I don't know what's going on, but I don't know. I, I was talking to a friend and she and I were talking about some things regarding leadership and what's going on with COVID. And she said to me, she goes, I don't listen to any of it. She goes, I don't read any of it. I don't listen to any of it. I just need to get my work done and do this or that. And I had a moment where I'm like, is that an option? Because that sounds really great. Well, my moment is through one lens. I'd be like, "What an idiot! You got to be. You got to right, be informed. You got to pay attention." The other is, "You're you're a genius." <laughs> and I don't know which one's right. Neither of them are right. They're both right. Well, Everything in between is right. And they have it. It has to be in the middle because just as an example of why my belief that I need to be very aware of the news is important is leading up to this pandemic, I had a lot of information you didn't have. Why? Because I'd been reading. I was able to make decisions what our family was going to do because I was paying very close attention. So that then to me solidifies, or if not solidifies, reinforces why I'm supposed to be really highly aware. But at this point of what's going on in the world, I am finding that it's it's causing me some chaos in my body and mind. And I have to, like I said, figure out, modulate, find a new way to stay informed without over-informing. It's not the what, it's, it's the why. The, right. And this is a personal journey for each Correct. one of us. Let, let's, talk, let's talk, let's continue to speak specifically about the news. Okay. Everybody has their own journey about the news. Right. Some people stick their head in the sand. Some people are hyper aware of everything. Right. And posting everything. Posting commenting. everything and everything else. And when you and I were in the car yesterday coming home from your sister's house, we kind of, the quote I said that kind of brought what we were talking about together a little bit, which was, don't ask what the world needs now, ask what makes you come alive. Mm -hmm. Because what the world needs now is for people to come alive. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you and I are doing certain things that fills us up. Mm-hmm. We're, we would be doing, we would pay to do this podcast. We don't make a lot of money off of it, mm-hmm. but we would pay money to do this because it make We used to. Yeah, we used to. <laughs> we used to pay money to do this. Um, and we love doing it. Right. Like, and we feel like this is kind of our gift to ourselves 
and to anybody else who might choose to listen to it. Um, other people might be like, well, I have to stay so informed of the news and I have to march in this, on, on you know, the Capitol and I have to, if that makes you come alive, I, I please, please keep doing it because we need people like you. And that doesn't mean you and I aren't marchers. We've marched in a, our handful of mm-hmm. demonstrations. Um, but there's times when I'm doing it for the wrong reason. Mm. And I need to kind of get centered like, okay, why am I doing this? Why am I watching this CNN channel? Why am I not watching this CNN channel? Why am I tuning into Fox? Why am I not cho- tuning into Fox? And it's not the what, it's the why. Well, and that's kind of the reframe that I needed for myself is I think sometimes, again, it's kind of the chaos I felt thrown into after the last election is I felt like I needed to do more, do more, do more. And I think that, and we'll go into this next with Bridget Schulte's stuff, is that often falls on women um, is this feeling of we're feeling the struggle or noticing the struggle of others. So we need to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I, especially from the women I follow, women of color who I follow, they are always having to take up that mantle too. Yeah. you know, that leadership of like, we have to figure this out for ourselves and, you know, I started, I think after this election, started realizing all the work that certain groups were doing and that I wasn't paying enough attention. So I paid an overabundance you of attention and and then tried to speak up for more things or be more knowledgeable or listen more, you know, like be a better. And so all of that is good. Like, it, here's the thing. I don't have any regrets about the last three and a half years. Like, I feel like I've become a better listener and more educated and more awake and more aware. But now it's like, okay, what am I going to do right now? And and this is, this is, I think, what you were saying. The, the, the reshaping right now, the reframing is being a therapist and being, doing this show and writing and, and the things that I share isn't that the awakeness that I'm trying to offer to the world? And do I also need to be a thought leader in this area and this area and this area? First of all, I wouldn't be good at that. It would be disingenuous of me to even pretend I was, but that's not what I'm supposed to be doing. So my, my point is, is that I think sometimes we look at everything going on and we think we need to have our hand in every aspect of it, but can we instead really excel on what we do know, or at least what we're learning, mm-hmm. you know, what we're what we enjoy sharing. And then that's our gift to the world rather than being involved in everything. Well, and my invitation is, I don't know if my dad is going to listen to this podcast or not, but I could always tell when he's been watching the news. Oh, for sure. So like two days ago, I got a call from him. He's like, yeah, what's going on? Nothing, blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, how are the girls doing? Fine. Uh, are you keeping them safe? Yeah, keeping them safe. Because there's a lot of people that are going to start uprising because people are losing their jobs and you got to make sure your doors are locked and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah. I'm just like, which news channel you've been watching? And it could be any of them. It doesn't really matter. Right. But so the reason I bring up that story is ask yourself, like, is this filling me up or is this putting me in a place where I am hyper scared of everything and I'm paralyzed and... Does it fill your cup up? Because sometimes watching the news can fill your cup up. You get informed, you get empowered, but there's other times when you watch the news and you're like paralyzed well, of it's, fear. Th- th- that's what fear does, yeah. right? When you feel fear, Fight, you're, flight, or, or freeze. Right. And so you, if you are going to... Okay, so let's go back to what you said about negativity bias and if it bleeds, it leads. Mm-hmm. You have to know that headlines are going to scare the crap out of you like there are sometimes, you know, even with the um, the news organizations that I trust or the newspapers that I read that I think are trying are, are you know, giving the facts. Yeah. Sometimes you read the headline and you're like, oh, my gosh. And then you read the article and you're like, no, no, that's not that bad. Yeah. That's they they're they're using a headline. Headline writing is a whole other thing. That's in a itself. whole art. That's an art. Like people who write the articles do not write the headlines. I don't know if you guys know that, but they that's a whole nother thing to get your attention because you have to be able to click on it. So I guess my point is, is that that is if you you are naturally drawn toward negativity and evolutionary evolutionary like that's the way your brain is hardwired and the news is also being written in a way to scare you so double whammy right there when i say that i don't mean don't be informed i mean be aware of that going in like it's because you brought this up with your dad your sister was saying the other day that he watched a movie about somebody who was missing 
And he called her and he couldn't get a hold of her because she was living her life and working. And then he got scared and started calling everybody because he had just watched a movie called Missing. And so he thought she was missing. So do you see how it clouds our our the way we view the world. And I, you know, it's part of the reason John Krasinski's show, you know, like some good news yeah. that, you know, uh, show that he's been putting on. It's over now, by the way. Did you oh, know did that? did he stop he it? He did eight episodes, but I think someone has probably picked it up. I bet he's going to do it on TV. Oh, don't really? you think? I don't know. I don't I, know. I think it was hard for him to keep outdoing himself from one week to the next because they got so good. It did, but imagine now you have a staff and a production team. Yeah. Okay, so then you're John Krasinski with a staff and production team. I don't know. I just, I noticed that he said, hopefully we'll be back in some way. And I was like, hmm. But so you have that kind of news. And then on this Freakonomics, David Byrne from Mm -hmm. The Talking Heads talks about his newspaper called you know, something to be cheerful about and that, or, you know, our friend Brandon, who has Mm -hmm. the newspaper, the good, good, good newspaper, there is other news out there. That's good. You got to choose to do it. You do. You got to choose to grab it. And this feels like kind of an old school Zen parenting podcast because we used to talk about this all the time, Mm -hmm. like being thoughtful about your news consumption. And I think sometimes when we get overwhelmed with bad news or we get the world starts to shift or change like it has a lot in the last couple of years, last two, three, four years, we want to hold on tight and just be like, I'm going to get more informed. And that was good for the time. Like I said, I don't regret it. I'm just having to figure out a new way of being. So this is what I want to do. Um, We're going to, I'm going to play one more clip and it's about parenting. But before they do that, just what I'm hoping people do as a result of listening to the first 26 minutes of this podcast is just question if you should be watching more or less news or should your news come from a different place? That's right, that's my source. hope. You know, one easy source, and we've talked about it a lot on the show, but I still subscribe to it besides the good, good, good newspaper is, you know, something like um, on Instagram or Facebook, you know, Humans of New York, mm-hmm. super inspiring stories of people having these experiences every day. It's all out there. It's, a, it, you know, people are like, oh, the news is so negative. Yes. The news that you, when you turn on, you know, the news channels, yeah. of course that is, but there's so many other, you said Humans New York, The Good Newspaper, John Krasinski, it's all there. We just, as human beings, we have to make a decision to go find it. Because like Todd was saying before, is the reason that I think this podcast made you feel better, the, the one about negativity bias, is you're no longer feeling the shame of, I like bad more than good. Mm-hmm. It's not about liking or not liking, it's about surviving. Yeah. And the way our brain is hardwired is we're gonna see the negative. So then you have to pull in some good news if not to completely balance, to at least give a counter perspective. For sure. Like you have to, or for me right now, and it may just be a little bit of a cleanse, is stay away from it for a while just to notice that, and I'll get deeper into that after you play the um, All right, so parenting. Even stronger than the likelihood you'll become friends. Baumeister found another example, a personal example, in parenting. When my own daughter was born, I went around to the experts on intelligence that I knew and said, what do I need to do to make her smarter? I wanted to have a smart child. They said, uh, don't drop her on her head, Uh, which uh, that was already one of my plans, so that wasn't really helpful. But it turns out that good parents, that it basically becomes a a genetic uh, issue that the kids' genes determine their IQ, whereas bad parenting reduces the link from genes. So the implication is... You can make your kid stupider by being a bad parent, or particularly if you're abusive or something like that. You can't make your kid any smarter. All you can do is let the genes shine through. So it's not huh? my way. It's not what I want to do is argue with him, because. but I, I wish he wouldn't use the word smarter. I don't like the term smarter, and he's talking about IQ. Right. Because that's, you know, for me... It, how I grade myself as a parent is not the IQ of my children. For what what Kathy and I have talked about for years, it's are they emotionally intelligent, are they emotional literate, and all that. Um, but there is something to this idea that you 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 can only like m- the only thing you can do is mess them up. But if you, as long as you don't mess them up, then you let genes take over. At least that's what I got out of that. Well, that yeah, clip. and I think it's all about what our culture deems as intelligence and it's what our culture tells us is good or what kids should have because the truth is is all kids come in with their own kind of intelligence right Mm -hmm. like i'll give an example Uh, a couple weeks ago i noticed one of my uh, bosses that i used to have when i was a therapist her daughter just graduated from a very prestigious university with like two a double major and she's going to go work in cal she just had this whole thing of all these things she's going to do and my my boss um who i'm speaking of she's 
really bright and her husband is really bright and their daughter is really bright and in this kind of intellectual area. And I, and I think that we somehow think if we pushed our kids harder that they could maybe be that way and that all they need to do is have more tutors and more this, more that, oh, when that's it. her natural disposition from her parents. Yeah. And for her, those things, they may have been hard work and difficult, but not the kind of hard work and difficult it'd be for a kid who has a different kind of intelligence, yeah. like a musical intelligence or an emotional intelligence or a nature intelligence. Or an athletic Or an intel- athletic intelligence. Again, we know this from John O'Sullivan that some kids, Michael Jordan, yeah. the Michael Jordan documentary, mm-hmm. the guy is a freak. freak in that he is just talented in his athletic ability. And all the people in the documentary, the Reggie Millers, mm-hmm. the Scotty Pippins, the Isaiah Thomases, they are too. Yeah. They are, yes, it was hard work, yes, it was a good coach, but that wasn't it. Does it, it I don't care how hard you work, unless you don't, unless you have the DNA for it, it's going to be really hard to attain any level of success. And there will always be an outlier, yep. someone who says, but what about this kid? Okay, but that's not the typical, that's not the bell curve. Mm. That's not who it really, there's always going to be outliers in, in every way. But my point is, is that we all come in with a genius, a native genius, but our culture has made us think that the only genius that's worthwhile is intellectual. So then we look at a kid and we say, but I want them to be smarter. I want them to be like this other kid when that wasn't what they're built for. Like I look at my daughters and I find them to be very bright in many, many ways, but I, I never, there's never been a time that I'm like, that kid needs to go to that university and this kid, I don't, first of all, that's for them to decide, but they're like, even in our, in gifted programs and reach programs, it's called reach in, in Illinois, is that that is not a demonstration of a kid's like worthiness. That program, the gifted program is for a kid who their intellectual ability is above where the rest of the grade is and it gives them an ability to thrive. But what it's become is I need ev- I need my kid in that program to demonstrate they're worthy, but that's not where they're supposed to be. And if I could strip that statement down, I need my kid to get in that program so that I can feel good about myself as a parent. Because our society has told us that intellectual ability is the thing, the IQ is what makes our kids worthwhile, at least K through college. Mm-hmm. After that, it's all about emotional intelligence, yeah. right? But in that we're like, is it, are they a merit scholar? What's their, you know, SAT score? What's their ACT score? What's their, their grades? And not all kids are supposed to be A plus 35 on the ACT kids. That's not, I don't care how many tutors you get them. Maybe you force them there, but that's not really what their native genius is. So I guess my, the point is, is what he's trying to say is you're born with some genetics and some native genius. So hone that. What's the fish water tree thing? Oh, if you, uh, you know, if you teach, um, a fi- okay. If you me- teach, a, teach a fish how to climb a tree, it'll go through the world thinking it's stupid or something like that. Right. Let me say it the right way because okay. I would, I would do it. So as you're finding it. Yeah. So the way I would like to give this some context is we are trying to collectively, I'm talking about, uh, the parents out there that are trying to make sure that their kid is in the best class or the best sporting program or the best, whatever, I feel like my job as my parent, as a parent to my three daughters is to get out of the way and help them, put them in a position to discover what it is that they're here to do. Mm -hmm. But too many times, and I raise my hand because I've done this, I think I'm better at it now. uh, Too many times we are trying to fit them into a certain- Societal mold. Mold that has nothing to do with them. (laughs) Not at all. I just want to get out of their way. Well, and, and just to, because I'm always correcting your words, um, not because they're wrong, but because of the way I sure. hear them, um, you said what it is they're here to do. Yeah. And I would say who it is they're, they're here, here to be. be. Yeah. Like, I don't, I'm not really concerned about their job per se, because they can figure that out as they go along and jobs are going to evolve and change. And a lot of, you know, especially now yeah. we're having to adapt in this climate, this pandemic climate where we're having to figure out how to work in different ways. So the job market's going to look so different 
different for our kids. But it's really about who they are as people and getting out of the way of telling them that who they are is wrong. You and I have these discussions as parents all the time because sometimes unknowingly our expectation or pressure or who we thought our kid was before versus who they are now because they're growing and changing, we get in our own way of allowing them to be that way. You know what I mean? Like I'm I'm speaking really generally because I'm talking about our own uh, parenting situations, but um, you know, there's times that we've had discussions where it's been like, she should be doing this, or why isn't she doing this? Or, and that's not what, that's our perception yeah. of what we think they should be doing. And it's not really who they're evolving and changing to be. And when we get out of the way, these things come up, they, they bubble up, and they may not be something that will get them a trophy, right. but it's something that brings them joy. You know, like one of my daughters has become super, you know, unbelievably creative with Minecraft. And I know for many of you, you're like, oh, but that's technology. But I can't do what she does. Another one of my daughters has been, has taken up sewing. Mm -hmm. Another one of my daughters woke up one morning and decided to paint her room. None of these will do any good on their ACTs. At all. And yet we think it's wonderful. But, well, it's, it's that, it's not so much about, aren't we great? We think it's wonderful. It's not about us. It's about how interesting from like just standing back and watching them. Mm-hmm. This is not something we suggested. This is not something we, we taught We got them. out of their way. Exactly. So I, I never like to say things like, look at what we did. Mm-hmm. It's not about you and I. Right. It, it's about backing the hell up and being like, this is interesting to me, what you're doing. This reminds me, I tried to pull up the clip. But- oh, can I, before you move on? Sure. Everybody is a genius. But if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will spend its whole life believing that it's stupid. Mm. So everybody, that's why I use the word native genius, because we all come in unique and special, not more special than others, but special in ourselves. And we need to hone that and not say, you need to be in reach, you need a 31, you need to be going to this university and getting a double major. That's for some kids... Because our society, but because our society has held it up as being the premier thing to do, we get lost in that. Yeah, the Lori Laughlin thing. You What's know, the like, Lori Laughlin thing? Well, just the whole, you know, the big, the big thing about six months ago that all oh, these parents yeah, 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 yeah. got arrested for lying about their kids, you know, scores and lying about the sports they were in, and it was all a means to some stupid non-end, yeah. which was, I'm going to get my kid in this school because I, I want people to think this is where they are, and I don't believe they can do it themselves. And and that whole myopic thinking of this is the only way to success is a problem. Yeah. So anyway. So the part, uh, so I wanted to pull up a clip from Stand By Me, but I can't find it. But it's a part where Gordy and Chris, who are the more mature of the four boys mm-hmm. walking down the railroad tracks. And Gordy's talking about how he's not going to get into the um, the accelerated class because he judges who they are or whatever. And Chris is like, Chris is being his father in that moment, mm-hmm. saying, "You know, you gotta you gotta do your thing because these stories that you you ha- you have the ability to make up." Mm-hmm. And what he says is, he's like, "It's like God gave you something, yes, and and it's your job to not lose it." And I feel, if you believe in God, that God gave each one of us something that we are going to be good at or something that we can find flow with or something that we can, that will make our heart sing. And it just reminds me of that part in well, Stand By Me. And if, you, and if God doesn't work for you, we all came from the universe with something the universe needs. Yes. Okay? You know, yeah. like, don't don't get too hung up on the words because it's like we, if we're here, it's one in a billion chance that we're here anyway. That we showed up. So if we're here, don't you think we all have something that the universe needs? Why do you say one in a billion? What does that mean? Uh, well, they, I think it is the statistic that the chance of us being born at all. One sperm and one egg. Correct. Yeah. It's like one in a billion. And, yeah. and I... I can't. So I, the fact that we were born is truly a miracle. It's a miracle. Yeah. And so if we're here, we brought something yeah. that the world There's needed. There's a reason why we were born. And it may be that it's to plant flowers and make the world more beautiful. Dude, it, it may be to go get our PhD. Mm-hmm. It may be 
to sit with people when they're sad. It may be to, you know, my point is, is that there isn't one genius that is more necessary than the other. And it may be that you are here to bring other people into this world. So maybe parenting, you know, there's that Mother Teresa quote saying, um, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. Because I know sometimes I feel like I've felt guilty through COVID because I feel like I should be doing more and all that. And I catch myself when I have these self-criticisms and I'm like, maybe the best thing I can do right now in this moment is be the best dad I can be. Mm -hmm. So for the mom or the dad that happens to be listening right now and they're like, yeah, I just don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing in this world. Just, just be the best parent you can be. Well, and I'm, I kind of am appreciating the language of, you know, we're now talking about what essential workers are. Mm -hmm. And not only do I think we're going to restructure based on what that means, what we've demonstrated, what we've noticed that essential work means, you know, essential workers mean people who are working at the grocery store. It means the pharmacist. It means our police officers and our milk mail carriers and, and our healthcare workers and our childcare workers. And, oh yeah, you know, the doctor's the nurses, the front line, the people who clean the hospital. Mm-hmm. Somebody has to clean. Like we sometimes just focus on doctors and nurses and we're not focusing on all the people doing the administrative work or the human resources work. Like my point is, is that just that terminology, essential workers is so vast mm-hmm. that we used to think that only certain things were important. And now we're like, oh wait, this is essential work. Yeah, You know, the firefighter. Almost the, levels the playing field. It does. It's work. not about the... All due respect to bankers out there that are making whatever ten million dollars running a hedge fund, because those are the ones that we have put on this fake right. plateau. Right. And now we're like, oh my god, the the grocery clerk that is you know risking their own health to help us get our food at the grocery store. It's essential, right? The farmers, the you know, so you know, there's no way we can list them all. So if I left you off, it's not intentional. The whole point is we're all essential. And so can we, that gives us more freedom than instead of saying, instead of of saying there's one path or this is the best best path, it's like, what do you do with your path? And, you know, it's our, and and we're not going to move through in, in a capitalist society that we have, that we have, we're never going to completely get rid of the thought that money is the most important thing. Yeah. But I think we can move further away from that because of a, you know, maybe we can get a little broader perspective of that certain people can have all the money in the world and we can all strive, but if others are suffering and losing their job and they don't have health insurance and they don't have childcare and they don't have food, well, none of us are going to do okay. You know what I mean? Like we're all going to. Well, it reminds me of Stephen Covey before we go to your thing. There's dependence, there's independence, and there's interdependence. Right. And I I judge that the best quality we can do is arrive at that interdependent mode. And that's what Thich Nhat Hanh calls inter-R, is that you are me and I am you and we are together. Like we, and you know, for those of you who are spiritual in nature and, um, you know, love all that stuff like I do. It's oneness. Mm-hmm. We're all the same, you know, and I know it sounds so cliche coming out of my mouth, but if someone else is hurting, we're hurting. If mm-hmm. someone on the other side of the globe is not getting what they need, it hurts us. It's a, it's in effect, the, the fact that we think we can just stay in our homes and, you know, just hoard everything and not worry about anyone else. Like, who do you think brought you your food yeah. and your mail and your, like, we're all in this together. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think, We've learned that a little bit from this pandemic. I I don't know if it's solidified and we're it's ongoing because we're still in the middle of it. Um, but it's one of the outcomes, and and I guess that will s- switch gears yeah. for me to this to b- what Bridget Shelty was talking about. Um, before I dive into it, I I did something this morning in my meditation or after my meditation that I thought it was just for me. It was helpful in that. What are the things over the last two and a half months? that have been with all the uncertainty and pain and chaos and disruption and discomfort, what are the things that have changed that I have appreciated? Mm. Because we can very much focus on the headlines and the bad news or the fact, when are we going to get a vaccine or when will we go back to work and, and all that's scary and daunting, but what are the things that have occurred that have been helpful? Yeah. And basically when I say helpful, what are the things like you and I have been talking about, what things do we not want to go back to quote unquote normal? Um, you know, and some what, of, what's going to stick, what's going to stick. And, you know, some of the, the little things, uh, you know, that Todd and I, or big things, depending on who you are, that we've talked about is Todd and I wake up in the morning and read, you know, yeah, we, you woke up at seven thirty today and you're like, Oh, I want to get out of bed. And then we just 
couldn't. Read. We just we loved our books. and if it weren't for COVID, we would have gotten the girls up and get them out the door to school. So, anyways, and that was the talk. That was after we were reading for a while. I was like, it's so funny how much I used to do in this condensed period of time. I would get up at six, get myself ready help the, when I say help the kids get up, I just mean move it along, you know, whatever they needed in the morning, um, breakfast, you know, smoothies, coffee, whatever. And then I'd usually be teaching by eight 30. So like, it was like this super condensed window. Whereas now it's kind of like this long wake up, this, um, the slow wake up. It's a slow wake up. Now, I know that's not the case for everybody. Some people have the exact same life they did before. As or, far as, or worse. Or, or harder, Busier, yeah. you know, as far as... So I know I'm not speaking for everybody, and I am still working, but it's from home. Sure. So it's just shifted. Um, but I was, you know, just that, going back to the, the list that I made, is like the things that I kind of feel like are now opened up and we can maybe hold on to some of these pieces... Um, that have been positive. I'm always leery to say that because people jump all over me about this is not good. I'm not trying to spiritual bypass the experience we're having, but I want to feel and acknowledge things that maybe will lead to change later. Mm-hmm. That we we're, we've opened up the possibilities for what could change as we move along, and I guess the that connects to this. Um, this Goop podcast with Bridget Schulte because her book, Overwhelmed, which like I said, we talked about a lot on Zen Parenting and had her on our show, what is about this, again, discrepancy between what men and women do and how it's about emotional labor, but it's more about, she gets really research-based about it, about how we got here. And she um, herself, let's see, I'm trying to figure out where she... um, So it says, uh, Bridget, just so you know what she does, she writes about work-life issues and poverty, seeking to understand what it takes to live the good life across race, class, and gender. She, you know, regularly contributes to the Washington Post, and she's obviously written, um, you know, some a New York Times bestseller, like, and she's won a Pulitzer Prize. Like, oh my gosh. She's doing amazing things. We had things. a Pulitzer pl- Prize person on our podcast? Of course. That'd be darn. So let's just play um, this clip, and then we can discuss yeah, it's it. it's about 90 seconds. Yeah. You know, stop. Yeah. And that's, you know, I know you, there's a lot of t- good tactical advice in your book, but it is, it's like, it's just, it is stop, right? It's like flipping your priority list to the just the one thing, mm-hmm. the one most important thing. What are the other things that you just, besides probably voting? <laughs> yes, you need to vote. <laughs> You know, I still do that. My running partner and I, we've, we've done this for years now. Really, it kind of started with reporting on my book. We'll finish our run. We'll turn to each other and say, what's your one thing? Mm. Okay, this is my one thing. And then the next day, it'll be like, how'd you do your one thing? I, you know, I, I muffed it. So <laughs> now is my one thing today. So you don't always get it right, but you set that intention. It really forces you early in the day or early in the week to think about, you know, what is the purpose of my job? What is the most important thing that I can do? And if I get to the end of the day, you know, and I run a nonprofit program, I'm a writer. If I get to the end of the day and all I've done is answer a bunch of emails, that's that's really not my job. My job is to try to change the world, to make a more yeah. gender equal world. So what have I done to move that forward? And if I can get clear early in the week, that day, usually what I try to do now is like, what are my top three things for the week that I really, really want to get done? And how can I – and a lot of times then we'll think about what our priorities are and then we just start our day. And so we don't do the next thing, which is then to look at our time and say, when am I going to do this? Mm-hmm. You know, And block that time just as you would a meeting. Yeah. Put it on your calendar. And then if you don't – Good. Yeah, I think that's good. I mean she continues yeah. on. And, and we'll, we'll uh, add this in the show notes. And I think you know I, I'm always trying to kind of thread what Todd and I talk about together at the end. And I think that – This is what she's talking about as far as, you know, what what your day is going to mean right now. And this was even recorded Mm pre-COVID, you know, so it's like I think it was because it sounds like they're in the same room. Yeah. Um, Is like when you wake up, 
with the new information we have about what's going on in the world and the the uncertainty that we now feel, we've always been uncertain and unpredictable, but a lot of us never felt it until yeah. now. Um, there's been plenty of people who have, who because of their compromised immune systems or their health scares or the fact that they have been you know, racially profiled in some way, or the fact that they have lived in poverty, they've already felt that uncertainty. Right. And, and, you know, but for some of us, it was, it was like, a, oh my gosh, like things could fall apart. Absolutely. So it's, it's always been true, but now we know it for sure. So if we know that and we have our day, what are the things that we really want to do? And we can, they, they talk about in this podcast, how busyness, First of all, they talk about how when people say, oh, I'm busy, how annoying it is, which I've always felt that was annoying. Even though most of us do it and I'm raising my hand as tall as possible. Yes. And and I don't think I do that because it bothers me when other people yeah. tell me that. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit of a, a childhood issue that I have where when I say to someone, how are you? And they're like, oh, I'm so busy. I feel put off. Totally. Like as if they don't have time for me. Yeah. And it's, and, I, and I'm not really angry with them. It's just that's the, I feel... When someone is telling me, well, I'll call you at this time, but I have this and I have this and I have this, but I'll try and call. But I'll, I'm like, I don't need to hear All your right, whole schedule. So my our card just ran out. Our, so, so I just stopped talking. I was just saying something about, um, what was I just saying something about? Oh, that I get put off if people say they're busy. Yes. Um, and then our card ran out. And so now we're, our card means. Sweetie, our, you had like 10 minutes of amazing dialogue, Will, <laughs> which will never retrieve. It will never come back. And it's funny because I really was talking the whole time and Todd's like, oh, the card's full. So I'm not going to be able to remember exactly what we were saying. Just trying to kind of bring the full circle of what Todd was talking about with the Freakonomics podcast and the negativity bias and also the experience that we're having right now in COVID where we are having this negative experience, but can we also notice maybe what's working or the ways that we are um, evolving? evolving. My priorities have shifted Mm -hmm. as a result of COVID and I'm praying and I'm setting an intention. It's funny. I'm talking about God and praying. Mm-hmm. I know you're <laughs> really you're not using my language. God a lot. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping that, that I will not forget this time from a prioritization standpoint. Well, and that's really what we were talking about before is busyness. Yeah. And prioritization is a great word because all of us, like Bridget said in that podcast, the Goop podcast, you know, all of us can be busy. Um, and we can, you know, focus on, I'm getting this done. I'm getting this done. And it's part of the reason we're so uncomfortable because we were so used to being super overscheduled with our kids. It became our norm. And now, you know, and I understand the boredom. I also understand the people who are working harder, like we're all over the board, but what are we noticing? Like, I like your word also about evolving. What are we realizing that we would like to hold on to? This is an opportunity and it's, it sounds bad because there's people suffering. There's workers that are scared to, to get COVID or whatever. But the, the fact that everybody's walking at the end of the day and we're like, we're all walking. I feel like we're all in a village again, because mm-hmm. if it wasn't for COVID. Oh, you mean literally walking literally walking outside. outside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And before that, everybody came home from their day of work and they made their dinner and then they watched TV. Now everybody's outside walking. I know, because like, it's really all we can do. It's outside. all we can do. We can't go to the gym. Right. We can't do any of this. Right. And I think it's just wonderful. I mean, the saddest part is that we have to like start working literally our path around these people. We can't even walk past them anymore, which is sad. Well, social distancing and, and is it, and this is also, you know, I'm going in a different direction here, but perception, like you can think of that as sad or you can think of that as gracious and, and full of grace. Like we, it's sad and gracious. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is that we are, you know, it's kind of like I was talking to a client the other day and she was saying the thing that's making her the most sad is that, you know, wearing a mask has become political. And it's all about how we see it. Like so many people are saying, you're wearing a mask, you're living you're living in a state of fear. That's not what I feel at all when I put on a mask. When I put on a mask, I feel like not only am I protecting myself, but other people. And then I'm demonstrating to the world around me that I care. Yeah. It's not about being, not everything is about fear. Yeah. I mean, 
we all have fear and we all experience fear every day, but some things are from the goodness of our heart and not everything is a political statement. And, you know, these are, and again, I'm, I'm getting away from it. The, the point that I wanted to bring full circle was busyness is sometimes just the surface things. And instead, can we start to look at our day and recognize what's meaningful Mm -hmm instead of just what's busy. In this time where we've been forced home and we've had to kind of pick up new things, like I have picked up new creative endeavors that I have realized I had dropped, just like I had dropped the amount of time I was meditating to to stay busy, to like keep up with the Joneses for a lack of a better word. There's not a specific person I'm trying to keep up with, but I was trying to keep up with the, the expectation of society, right? And some of it was forced on us from our work um, to our children's lives. And now that everything is a little quieter and slower, what are the things that really do feel good? Yeah. And you know, someone on Team Zen a couple weeks ago said they're having such a discomfort because they used to feel so much fuller when they were busy. Yeah. But a lot of that's just surface. Like now you have space to say what brings meaning mm-hmm. to your day. And, you know, you're figuring out that it's reading books or taking walks. And I love the walks too. And for me, it's a longer meditation and a little more sleep and um, and not feeling this obligation to do things that I really wasn't appreciating yeah, anyway. I feel like this is an opportunity. This is a forced Re- forced forced reframe yeah like i am having because our team zen member i forget who it was Does, it doesn't matter but i completely identified with what she was saying mm-hmm. and i'm like yeah it's like my hyper productivity mm-hmm. my addiction to hyper productivity is um it's weird not to have that mm-hmm. but i am being forced to relook at like Maybe I just bought a pair of binoculars. I want to go look at birds, mm-hmm. which is like the opposite of what my my manager persona would think is productive. Totally. And I'm just trying new things on. And if it wasn't for COVID, I would be just gearing up for the next thing that I have to go do. And I'm going to make a... Um a planter box for my, my, (laughs) here's a story. We're at my sister's. Let me finish what I'm saying. I'm going to make a planter box for my, what's it called? The deck. And because I've, I've been planting flowers and I want to make my own planter box. So we're at my sister-in-law's house yesterday and Kathy starts talking about a saw. Like, Hey, do you have a saw? I'm like, what? We're not the family that has a saw. We're not the family that asks for a saw. Like, this is not who we've been for the last 18 years of our marriage. True. So now we're loading up the saw. What's in the big red thing? That's uh, that's a, also a saw. There's two like, different yeah, saws? Yeah, there's two different so saws. So we got two different saws in our garage, <laughs> two more than we did before yesterday. And now Kathy's talking about buying lumber from Home Depot or Ace Hardware and building stuff. And I, I'm just, what I said to myself is like, what's going on? <laughs> like, what is this all about? So anyways. But see, this is the thing is that that's, and again, for some of, like, it's been two and a half months and it's not like these things come to us immediately when we have a day off. You know how prior to COVID, it it'd be like, you have Saturday, you have Sunday, but really those are full, you know, I, you and I don't necessarily You're trying to catch this. up from the things that you didn't do during the week on the weekend. Well, and like I said, you and I don't really have this, but a lot of people have games all day Saturday sure. and then events and then something and then a party on Saturday night. And a lot We're just filling up our time with a bunch of things to feel busy. And yet it's annoying when everyone says they're busy. Anyway, and so now it's been two and a half months and we're still home and we're still having to work and take care of our families and do those things and, and help the world in the ways we can. But there's more space for things like me getting a saw. And, you know, it's funny because you said they were kind of making fun of me when I asked for it. My dad taught me how to use a saw. I used to saw things Mm -hmm. when I was little, which I know is a weird image for you, but I did. And I used to create things. And you know what I used to do a lot is fail while creating things because I was doing it by myself and I often had a lot of failures. Um, But then there would be a few, like, you know, that thing at my aunt's house, that piece of wood 
that I made her name and it's on her wall. I've pointed it out to you like a ton of times in my aunt's house in Galena. There's a lot of things on Peggy's wall. Well, there's this piece of wood and I, with felt, I made her name mm. and I put a little bear. Mm. I made that nice. with a piece of wood. And I did that when I think I was in fourth grade and she still has it. But I used to do stuff like that all the time. And I don't, I don't wake up saying I have to make things with wood every day, but when you have space, like another thing I bought was an embroidery set. It's not here yet, but I kind of got tired of doing puzzles and I wanted something. If I'm going to watch the Americans with you, which is a really weird show, weird show, weird's the wrong word. What is the Americans? It's like a really intense. Yes. Yeah. Some violent at times. Sex. Sex. Clark, Clark and Martha. Clark and Anybody who watches the Americans, you know, the Clark and Martha situation. So anyway, but I would like to do something while I'm watching it. That's maybe. Which scares me, me because if you're not going to pay hundred percent attention, I'm lost half the time I'm watching but that show. It's not like I'm going to be a puzzle is one thing. Like, you know, yeah. remember it's a, it's when a, I, embroidery is mostly mindless. You know, you just yeah, keep doing it. Correct. And I used to knit Yeah. and I was going to bring knitting back out and I was like, no, I want to learn something new. So my point is, is, <laughs> I feel like we went in totally different directions and nobody really cares about my embroidery. The point is, is that- I care, sweetie. I know. Thank you. We have some space. Instead of trying to fill up our lives with busyness, what is a saw to you? And I'm speaking What's to What's your people. version of the yeah. saw? And, and you may say, I don't know. And I feel so much pressure. You don't have to know. I'm not saying it's like essential, but- you know, have you been reading different books? Mm. Have you been taking different walks? Have you been pulling your weeds? Like it doesn't have to look, it's just what has felt better because in the midst of chaos, we never, we can hold two opposing ideas at the same time. And the two opposing ideas are things are uncertain. It's very uncomfortable. It feels chaotic and scary. And there's some beautiful things that happen in the midst of that, just like, you know, in death, um, you know, Todd and I have both lost parents and there was being with my dad while he was really sick was horrible and scary and awful and also contained beautiful mm. moments. And we have to be able to hold those opposing things and not, you know, the worst case is pretending one of those doesn't exist. Yeah. The worst case is jumping over one for the other. Um, you've got to hold them both. And um, so I guess the, you know, I don't want to, I just kind of want to close my part and just say what I appreciated what Bridget said was, um, I would listen to the whole podcast because she gets in more in depth, but that what is your one thing each day? You know, what is the thing that you're like, yeah, I'm going to have to do email, but that's not my priority. Mm -hmm. It's this. And it may be getting up and sitting and eating breakfast with your kid and not, not seeing them until five or making sure that everybody gets together at five o'clock for dinner or making sure that you take a walk at night or that you play games once a week or it, it's... It's just paying attention so it gets done rather than believing you're going to wake up and just do it automatically. Mm -hmm. You've got to make a choice. Right. So that's it, Todd. I'm done talking. My throat's getting sore. Well, I'm going to close the show um, with a scene from City Slickers, oh. the movie. Are you going to play Curly? Yeah, it's Curly and Billy Crystal are walking down. And But before I play it, I want to um, just close the show with some promo stuff. Team Zen, uh, you know. Friday? Join it. We've got our... Team Zen uh, put in the coupon code FRIEND and you'll get it for free for the first month. So uh, you talk about the one thing. So we're going to close the show with a scene from City Slickers, which is something I, I want to do pop culturing City Slickers eventually. But I feel like oh. it's a guy movie, isn't it? Is it a guy well, movie? you know what? The thing is, is so many movies from the 70s, 80s, even some into the 90s, the protagonist is always the guy. Right. I feel like, I mean, if you remember correctly... Sorry, I'm opening up a whole new thing. But the reason I like cried at Ghostbusters, it was the first movie I saw that three women were actually leading the charge. Right. And Wonder Woman and Black Panther. Like, we've just started that. Mm -hmm. um, so when I saw City Slickers, I, like all women tend to do in movies, was able to put myself in that position. Yeah. I didn't necessarily agree with all the baseball card talk yeah. and all that kind of stuff. But... I did get the bigger message, yeah. which was... Well, and, and this message is this universal. Is message. Here we go. 38. 39. Yeah. You all come up here about the same age, same problems. Spend about 50 weeks a year getting knots in your rope and then 
But then you're staying two weeks up here on time for you. None of you get it. Do you know what the secret of life is? No, what? This. Your finger? One thing. Just one thing. You stick to that and everything else don't mean shit. That's great, but what's the one thing? That's what you gotta figure out. All right. Curly. Thanks, Curly. Um, yeah, I remember watching that for the first time. I'm like, God, I wish you would have told me what the one thing is. Well, and that's why he's laughing about, you know, people who are 37, 38, 39, which is usually when you start to go through, you know. The beginning of the midlife crisis. Or what I would call your either, you know, as Brene Brown said, it's either your breakdown or your breakthrough, mm. you know, your spiritual awakening. I, I consider it a spiritual awakening because you're waking up to what I've been doing thus far maybe worked at a time but it doesn't work anymore and i don't know who i am anymore and i can't feel myself so i would like to wake up to who i am and what the world is yeah. and then but what does that mean this is what this is why like you and i can have these conversations about what we do but it doesn't it doesn't it you you're not going to do what we do maybe maybe you'll have similarities but the one thing is very personal yeah. and it's, and only you, and if someone tells you, well, that shouldn't be your thing, that that's their problem. That's their problem. Yeah. And, um, you know, just, and don't feel like you have to figure it all out today or tomorrow. Just start to pay attention to what has meaning and do that more. There you go. And then I want to talk about Jeremy Kraft. He's a bald-headed beauty. He's our uh, partner, painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area, 630-956-1800. All right, see you guys next week. Have a good week. Thanks for listening, everyone. Remember to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And feel free to leave a five-star review on iTunes. It helps people find us. Also subscribe and review our Pop Culturing podcast, a Gen X viewpoint on movies and TV with an emphasis on personal growth and self-awareness. It's basically the flip side of Zen Parenting Radio. Do you want more Zen Parenting? Check out our third podcast, otherwise known as Team Zen. One of our team members described it as an advice column meets group help meets like-minded community. With your $25 subscription, you get two live Zen talks with an opportunity to ask us live questions, plus a Facebook community where you can interact or just listen to like-minded parents. If you can't join us live, you can still access all the Zen talks through the Team Zen podcast app. And don't forget about Tribe Men's Group. We have a virtual community from men all over the world. Head on over to tribemensgroup.org or shoot me an email at todd at zenparentingradio.com. It's an opportunity for guys to come together and talk about what really matters. Finally, I want to give a special thanks to our founding partner, Jeremy Kraft. He's a bald-headed beauty, and the company he has is Avid. They do painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. Go to avidco.net or give him a call at 630-956-1800. Thanks for all your love and support, and keep on trucking.